Today on Let the Bible Speak. Could you be camping in the Valley of Trouble today? There is such a place, and how it got its name holds many important lessons for us today. Join me for that next on Let the Bible Speak. Greetings and welcome. It's good to be with you today. Thanks for joining me for a study of the Word of God. Perhaps you have a Bible nearby. I want to read an account together from the Old Testament book of Joshua that occurred right after the famous fall of the city of Jericho. It involved an Israelite who made a grave error and brought a heap of trouble upon the people of God. His name is Achan and his story is recorded in Joshua chapters 6 and 7. We'll read beginning in the 17th verse of chapter 6. And if you're very familiar with the stories of the Bible, you'll remember this being when the people marched seven times around the walls of Jericho, causing them to fall. Well, in verse 17, Joshua gave them these instructions. He says, Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction, it and all who are in it. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all who are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things, and make the camp of Israel a curse, and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets, and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout, that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Well, that's all good, but let's see what happens next in chapter 7 and verse 1. But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things, for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things. So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Well, this caused great trouble for the people because they next were to go take the little city of Ai, but they miserably failed in their mission and came back defeated because God did not fight for them on that occasion. Well, this led not only to grave consequences for those soldiers at that time, but ultimately for all of the people, but especially Achan and those he claimed to love. This all happened in a valley that was infamously named for Achan, and it became known as the Valley of Trouble. We want to avoid that valley in our own lives today, but yet many seem to be camping in that direction. We'll talk about that in our study today. I'll be back with the lesson, The Valley of Trouble, in just a moment. Deep within my heart today, Jesus lives and He will stay. For I heard His blessed word and gladly obey. Oh! 
Every city or place gets its name from something or somebody. Many towns are named after some notable statesman or politician, or perhaps the early settlers of a bygone era. Sometimes a place is named for some historic event, or perhaps calamity or disaster that took place there, or some great victory. Such is the case with the little valley situated between the cities of Jericho and Ai. It was named the Valley of Achor, which means Valley of Trouble. It got this name from the trouble that was brought upon Israel by a man named Achan. His name means troublesome, and he certainly lived up to his name here in Joshua chapter 7. Now, Achan is not that unusual of a man because he's like many people we encounter today who seem to bring trouble upon themselves and upon others around them, especially spiritually speaking. Achan's behavior brought such trouble upon the Israelites that this valley where these events occurred was infamously named for this man. And there are some very important lessons that we should learn from this story that we might keep ourselves and others out of the valley of trouble today. When God empowered the Israelites to destroy the city of Jericho, He strictly forbade them from taking the spoils of the city for themselves. The city was to be destroyed along with its people except for the household of Rahab the harlot. The valuable things from the city's ruins, such as the gold, silver, and finer vessels, were to be taken and put into the treasury of the Lord. The rest was to be burned. Well, Joshua was emphatic that this be done. The things of Jericho were to be accursed to them, and what was to be saved was to go directly to God and be sanctified for His service. But Achan had other plans. Like many people, often have other plans besides what God has planned and what God has revealed. So when nobody was looking, Achan saw the treasures of Jericho, and he stealthily took them. He hid them in his garment, he snuck them back into the camp, and he buried them beneath his tent. Well, Joshua and the people had no idea that Achan had done this, and thought that they had obeyed the Lord's commission, his instructions. The truth didn't come out until some days later, when they faced their next foe in their conquest of Canaan, a little town by the name of Ai. Now, Ai should have been an easy and very winnable battle. After all, if the walls of a great fortified city like Jericho could fall, what was Ai to them? Joshua even sent spies up to surveil the area, and they came back so confident that they could easily take the city that they told Joshua not to bother sending his full regiment of troops, but just a small number could do the job. But a surprise was awaiting them. They no more than got to the gate of the city, but the men of Ai killed several of their soldiers and sent the rest fleeing back to their camp. Well, Joshua was vexed. How could this be? How could they have destroyed Jericho and then failed to take a city like Ai? And how could they possibly expect to face the many other cities throughout the land of Canaan if they couldn't now even take a place like Ai? So Joshua chapter 7, beginning in verse 10, records these words. The Lord said to Joshua, Get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things, and have both stolen and deceived, and they have also put it among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they have become doomed to destruction." Neither will I be with you any more unless you destroy the accursed thing from among you. God then told Joshua to gather the people the next day 
and go man by man until he found the culprit of this thing. And acting on a divine hunch, when Achan in turn was brought to him, Joshua coerced a confession out of him. Listen to verse 19. Joshua said to Achan, My son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession to him and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. And there they are, hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent, and there it was, hidden in his tent with the silver under it. And they took them from the midst of the tent, brought them to Joshua and to all the children of Israel, and laid them out before the Lord. Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones, and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. Then they raised over him a great heap of stones, still there to this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore the name of that place has been called the Valley of Achor to this day. The Valley of Achor, the Valley of Trouble. And my friend, just as Achan in his sin brought great trouble upon the camp that day, so you can mark it down, sin will get us into terrible trouble today on many fronts. And it will not only affect us, it will have a contagion about it and affect many others as well. First of all, we need to remember that sin cannot be hidden from the eyes of God. You should always remember that. I should always remember that. Now, Achan thought he had pulled off a brilliant scheme and that no one was the wiser. But he didn't think about the fact that God knew not only what he had done, God knew what he was thinking. And God saw him as he took the forbidden treasure. God watched him sneak it back to his tent and bury it. He saw every bit of it, and he knew all along where the spoils were at. Achan should have known that God sees everything. You can't hide anything from him. Psalm 90 and verse 8 says, You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13 says that God in His Word is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, and there is no creature hidden from His sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. Do you ever stop to realize that God watches everything you do every moment of every day? That God hears everything that you say. God even knows everything you think. I remember a person who was one time, she was a Christian, but she was in a place she didn't belong. She was doing something a Christian shouldn't be doing. And she saw a person who knew the preacher of the congregation. And she begged that person not to tell that preacher that that person had seen her in that place. Well, that person reported it to the preacher anyway. But was she not concerned that God saw her there? You wonder how many people are concerned about what the preacher knows, but not quite as concerned about what God knows. God sees when a person steals. God hears and knows every time a person lies. 
He knows about the affairs and the illicit behavior of unfaithful spouses. He knows about the immorality of those who slink around in the shadows doing sinful things and try to cover them up. He knows all of that. He knows where all of the skeletons are buried. He knows when we cheat on our taxes. He knows when we take something from the office that is not ours to take. He knows when we defraud somebody else in a business or a sales transaction. God sees all of that. And there will one day be an accounting of those things. Friend, there is only one way, I repeat, one way to cover sin from the eyes of God. And ironically, that's by confessing it to God, which includes repenting of it and seeking His forgiveness. If you don't deal with sin on those terms, and that's God's terms, sin will deal with you. Psalm 32 verse 1, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Sin will find you out because God knows about it. Now second, we need to remember that Achan's sin was first against God. And all sin is against God. Achan was literally stealing from the Lord. Now we know that ultimately everything belongs to God, but there are things that are specifically devoted to God in a special way. They are sanctified. They are holy. They belong to God and to Him alone. Now in this case, the spoils of Jericho were decreed to be God's. They were not for the people, they were for the Lord. They were to be placed in the treasury of the Lord and used for His service. But Achan coveted them. And in his greed, he saw an opportunity to enrich himself, and he dishonestly took what did not belong to him. You may remember that God accused the priests in the book of Malachi of keeping what should have been given to God, and he went so far as to say that they were robbing God, according to Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8. Now, friend, do you realize that everything you possess comes from the Lord, everything I possess comes from the Lord, and he is to be honored first with those things? Our possessions ought to be used for God's glory. And I'm not merely talking about our money. I'm even including our time, our talents, our opportunities. Does God come first when it comes to where your time goes? Do you use your resources in life in a way that pleases and first honors God? You know, the first recorded sin in the early church involved two people who kept back the price of some property they had sold and tried to hide it by lying about it. Acts 5 verses 1 through 11 tells the story of how Ananias and Sapphira died as a result of their brazen act of stealing from God and covering it up. And many a Christian lives their life that way as well, taking the money, time, devotion, affection that belongs to God and using it for themselves and then making excuse for it as though God doesn't know the truth of the matter. Now in the case of Ananias and Sapphira, uh, it wasn't so much the fact that they gave or didn't give, it's the fact that they lied about it. But in this case, Achan lied about something, taking something, he covered up something up, that uh, the theft of something that was supposed to be specifically given to the Lord. And he learned a very hard lesson that he had sinned against God and God will retribute sin. But number three, he not only sinned against the Lord, in so doing he sinned against the people of God. Did you know the Bible shows us that the sin of one member of the church can cause trouble for the whole church? The whole nation suffered defeat at Ai because of the actions of Achan in the aftermath of Jericho. Hundreds of thousands of people suffered a tremendous and humiliating setback because of the sin of one man. 
And Paul in Romans 14 and verse 7 reminds us, none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself. The church can suffer great trouble because of the needs of one person. What about a church that has a preacher who doesn't pay his debts? Or what about an elder or a deacon or perhaps a teacher or leader in the church who is a business cheat or perhaps a womanizer? Or the worldly church member who compromises the example of the entire congregation and undercuts what the church preaches and stands for by their compromised and worldly and sinful living? Some churches suffer because of the mere indifference and apathy of a few, and they drag the whole congregation down. You know, why should you be the exception that you don't need to attend faithfully? You don't need to seek the things of the kingdom first. You don't need to be faithful and dependable in your attendance at worship or be involved and active in the work of the church. But somehow everybody else is supposed to be there and keep the doors open. Sometimes it's the sour and negative attitude or the bitterness and hatefulness of one person that's enough to poison an entire entire group, to poison and to cast a cloud over an entire congregation. So does the church suffer defeat? Does it find itself in the valley of trouble in some congregation because of one person's life, perhaps your life, your attitude, your decisions, your behavior? We need to stop and think about that. And number four, Achan not only sinned against God, he not only sinned against the whole nation, he sinned against his own family. Look at what happened. This was a terrible tragedy. Joshua 7 verse 24 says, Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had, and they brought them to the valley of Achor. They all were destroyed. He took his family down with him. They stoned his children, his livestock, In other words, everything attached to this wicked man, they destroyed because of the sin of the Father. Now, we're not living in that economy. and God is not carrying out capital punishment upon His people who sin today. But there's a lesson in it, and that is that there is still a heavy price spiritually to be paid for sin. And sometimes, yes, we bring horrible physical consequences into our life through sin, but certainly spiritual consequences. And you know, often it's the family that pays just as great a price as the sinner himself. I know of fathers and mothers who are derelict in their duty to God. They don't take God seriously. They're not living a Christian life. They're not trying to live a Christian life. They're not leading their family to the house of God. They're not seeking God. They're not trying to serve the Lord. You know what very few people stop to think about who are living that way? They are likely dooming their own children to a Christless life and a godless eternity in hell by their own disobedience. Are you leading your family to hell? Are you leading little boys and girls to a life of sin and worldliness through your own life? Are you showing them, though, that obeying the gospel and living for Jesus Christ is what is most important? Or are you showing that it's really not all that important? Are you setting a terrible example in front of them of sinful, immoral, compromised living? Friend, you're not the only one whom judgment is coming to. 
It may very well be that you, by your example alone, are leading your family and those you claim to love down a path that will end in spiritual and even eternal disaster. Are you and your family living in the valley of trouble today? Are choices that you're making, priorities that you are setting, lifestyles that you're embracing, worldly things that you are chasing, are you not only dooming your own soul, but are you turning the hearts and minds of your wife or your husband or your children and your grandchildren away from Christ and turning them to the perishable things of this world? Now, friend, that was the story of Achan. That's what happened to Achan. That's what happened to his family. They all severely suffered. The nation suffered. And sin has a contagion that reaches out and touches all who are connected to the sinner to one extent or another and in one way or another. How many parents even suffer because of the sinful and foolish choices of their children? How many parents suffer from grief and worry and anxiety and heartbreak because of a wayward son or a wayward daughter? and knowing the judgment that awaits them if they don't return to the Lord. You see, the parent suffers too. Not only the children, the parent. Sometimes the grandparents suffer. That's the story of Achan. And friend, we need to learn the lessons of that place, and we need to avoid the sin of this man that led to such trouble and such destruction. If you sinned against the Lord today, you need to repent of that sin. And you need to confess that sin, not just as Achan did. That confession needs to be a confession of true repentance. And I challenge you to do it before God exposes it. And to return to the Lord. To set your mind on spiritual things and heavenly things. And to stop coveting the things of this world. And instead, devote your life and devote your all to doing the will of the Heavenly Father. You won't regret that in the by and by, but choose to live like Achan, and you will lead untold others into the valley of trouble.
Subscribe to our YouTube channel to see all of our past broadcasts, plus extra videos, including Let the Bible Speak classics all the way back to the 1960s. And get new updates, go to YouTube and search for Let the Bible Speak TV and click on subscribe. It's always a pleasure to be with you to study the Bible, and I'm thankful you spent this half hour with me to look at the Word of God. If you would like to have a free printed copy of our lesson, we'll be glad to send you the transcript. Just get in touch with us and ask for the lesson, The Valley of Trouble, and we will get that on its way. Remember, you can find us online, our website, ltbstv.org, and if you haven't already, be sure to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel and help us spread the word through social media. We appreciate you for joining us. We hope you'll tell somebody else about our program before we're on the air next time and that you'll make your plans, if God is willing, to be back here with me for another time of Bible study. Until then, I pray that you have a great week ahead and may God richly bless you according to His will. Let the Bible Speak is brought to you by The Church of Christ. For more information, including our past broadcast and sermon transcripts, visit ltbstv.org. Thanks for being with us today. Join us next time for Let the Bible Speak.